Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends. We're boyfriends watching the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm Sam. I'm Mike. I'm the super fan. And I have we're entering a, a a world of Buffy that I've really never seen before at this point. So true. We started the show and you were like, I think I've seen all of season one. Um, but then throughout you really haven't remembered any of it. Yeah, nothing really stuck from my first watch of season one so it felt like brand new this time around and i mean now that we are at the end of season one what are your thoughts it was good you know uh sort of a shaky start to the to the show but mm. i think they found their footing um really happy with how everything sort of tied together this episode and sure. sort of sets up the narrative and character threads for next season, which I'm very excited to explore. Yeah, season one launches so high at the in the premiere, and then I like I I don't know this whole time like I feel like every episode I shifted my opinion on it. Where like all the ones that I remember and like have feel like I, are like in the conversation the most are the ones that are were not as good to me, and like the ones that are just like random ones I'm like now coming away with it in a new light. Well, I mean, that's what you get on a rewatch. You yeah. get fresh perspective. When you watch something 10 years after your previous watch of it. We are here to talk season one, episode 12, Prophecy Girl. Uh, you know, what? just an excellent, excellent TV episode. Uh, but we are not alone. We are here with the main man himself, my co-host of the Bitter Drewers podcast, a co-host of the Shadow Play Gays podcast, uh twitter icon uh oomph uh distilled Derek grinding yes i'm here the prophecy gay is here <laughs> that's gonna be near the shadow play gays offshoot um that, because as that would have been a really good name for this pod <laughs> yeah you're like now that i'm thinking about it because i do remember the contentious uh title ideation like phase i was there yeah i was on the you were on the ground for that buffy but, boyfriends um, and then one of one of our producers said i don't know if i like that and then we then that really threw me for a loop for like a couple days and then i went back to him uh a few days later and he was like oh i don't even remember that i think i was really high what <laughs> <laughs> And that's a great way to start a Buffy podcast. Well, so but my, I guess my question is how have we decided, like what's the threshold for when Mike can, you can consider yourself a super fan of Buffy? Like when is that dynamic going to change? When I can consider myself a super fan? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I feel like I got to watch it at least one way through. Um, okay. I don't think I can declare my standum until after that. Because I people would uh, call me out. They'd be like, "So say we're at the end of season three, and I'm like, okay, I'm a Buffy super fan now. I'm mm. talking to somebody out and about, and they're like, oh yeah, don't you love season five, episode four? And I would have to uh, show my fake ass and be like, I've actually never oh. seen that episode yet. Oh. See, I agree. It's but it's a weird thing because. <clears throat> You are watching it so closely and talking about it so much more than anybody else who would watch the show would do. So, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's it's not like you're a super fan, but you're like very very involved first time viewer. Yeah. Maybe if I start a second podcast after my first watch and we decide to do Buffy Boyfriends round two, mm. to like rewatch mm. the show again, 
Yeah. That would be crazy and super fan of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that would be super fandom. I mean, that's kind <laughs> yeah. of what Shadow Play Gaze did, or you had both already seen it, but you hadn't already podcasted about it all the way through. Correct. Um, but you could be, you could just say you're like a super fan in the making. I feel mm, like that's that's okay. a fair. I don't think anyone could take issue with that. Um, although I don't know, I, I feel like any person who's like that super like defensive of Buffy might like take offense at that. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know what the modern day Buffy fandom really looks like, honestly. Yeah. And I have to be on, I, I'm enjoying Buffy and I want, and I'm going to keep watching it, but I don't know that I'm like at super fan level yet because mm. we're only watching one episode a week. And I feel like, for a show that I would be like already obsessed about, I would like feel that urge to look things up online or read mm. like essays or like look at spoilers, even though I'm not mm. supposed to do that. And I haven't really felt that urge yet. It's been like a this is fun to watch like once a week podcast about it, but then I don't really think about it yet. And maybe that's just the nature of season one. I would say that Buffy mm -hmm. super fans are built in season two. <laughs> yeah, um, they're forged in the fire. And also that, well, I've been, I am obviously a day one listener to the Lonely Boys podcast and listen to it the instant comes out every Friday. And just this week, season three, episode 15, the person who has not seen the show, Brendan, it, this is the first time he was like, I, at the end of the episode, I wanted to watch the next one. <laughs> so it could, we'll we'll have to gauge by season three, episode fifteen, if you're uh, if I'm if there you're, yeah, if you want to keep watching the show. <laughs> well, famously, after we watched the first episode, I was like, we gotta watch the end of this pilot. True. And you said no. Yeah, I, I did say no. But and then you know how you have not really uh, expressed that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, I mean, we can get into how you felt about this. I feel like. I'm a very infamously, I would say, a big season one fan. Um, but I feel like it also really accomplishes sort of the, um, what's the idea? Like almost survivor players talk about that. Like you want to start strong and you want to end strong. I feel like season one definitely does that. Uh, the for middle sure. part, uh, it's up for debate. But I feel like this is a great finale for, the for this season. For sure. High highs and low lows for the middle episodes of season one um mm -hmm. Derek, that's a good way to get into it what is your buffy the vampire slayer journey how are mm. you here today with us um okay so i uh i was alive at a point where i could have watched it live for sure however um i like my family were not they were just not sci-fi fantasy people it was just not the vibe um i kind of had to come to that stuff on my own um, and one part of that was, um, I don't want to like out anyone, but this like, uh, an ambiguously queer childhood friend mm -hmm. was like, oh, I love Buffy. Willow was their favorite character. Um, and like, I always had that thought in my head, like, oh yeah, I've never watched Buffy. Um, and then it wasn't until I want to say high school, um, when I ha like had a job and could like purchase things, I bought all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on DVD. And I think I still have the huge box set of it that looks like dripping blood. Um, and I literally just sat in my room and binge watched all of Buffy. Um, yeah, Whoa. that's my fandom. But um, you... I, yeah, go ahead. So you yeah. bought the, all of the DVDs before you knew you would like the show. Oh, absolutely. I did that with Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I did it with Angel as well. I, that was just kind of what we had to do. It, <laughs> um, that was, you know, that was the vibe back then. But I feel like the journey did not end there because it eventually led to 
me and Sam becoming friends on Tumblr because I feel like um, I probably, I want to say I started, I watched Buffy like sophomore year of high school and then I got a Tumblr like maybe junior or senior year of high school. Um, and the, this was definitely a big thing back then of like listing your favorite thing, like the things you liked to watch, um, which is still a thing. There's definitely those posts that are like, retweet if you are in blah, blah, if you love these people, whatever. Um, but back then it was just like, you kind of had it in your Tumblr bio and I had Buffy in there. And I remember for some reason, Sam came across my dashboard as they say. Um, and I saw, I think you had it in your bio or you just had reblogged something that was like Buffy related and you know, the rest is history. Sure. I, I mean, there's definitely Homestuck infused in the story. Uh, I was, <laughs> I'm glad you brought, I was like scared to kind of like, I felt like I was going to bring a curse down upon this podcast by like invoking Homestuck. This podcast um, is already cursed just based on the subject matter. So I think that <laughs> it's okay to double curse. Yeah, because um, I guess for people who don't know, I've been, well, there's a really amazing podcast that everyone should listen to if you are a Homestuck fan, or even if you're not, or you're just, you've always been curious about what the hell even is that. There's a great podcast called Homestuck Made This World that I've been listening to um, about, it's like a similar situation. One person who read it when it was coming out, one person who has never read it before, um, and they're talking through it. Um hopefully your journey is going better mike than the newbie on there who i feel like every episode is like this sucks <laughs> uh hopefully you're not quite there but um it got me back into rereading homestuck and it's like you can like joss whedon's horrible little hellmouth tentacles have just infused the culture and i feel like homestuck is a great evidence of that like every time xander spoke i was like he is literally a homestuck character in all of his <laughs> verbiage they say things so many times in this episode. It's like beyond parody. Um, yeah, Homestuck. <laughs> and that podcast is only like eight episodes or something, right? Whereas, like, but they cover like, I mean, Homestuck is like a hundred thousand pages. Well, <laughs> the way they have it set up, there are twelve episodes. But in um, to honor the subject matter, each episode has parts to it. Sure, um, and acts. Okay. Yes, exactly. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Um, but we're not here to talk about Homestuck. Maybe that's what we'll do after uh, we're done with oh, Buffy. Don't do that. <laughs> I, would you... I would never. I would never. <laughs> I would never force Mike to do that. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about Prophecy Girl. Derek, yeah. when this podcast was in its nascent stage, you were like, I got to get in there for Prophecy Girl. Mm-hmm. What made you choose this episode? Um, well, like I said, this is a really fantastic finale. And I feel like it really, even more so than the pilot, I feel like it uh, like completely sums up what this show is going for um for better or for worse i feel like buffy is like clearly the star of this episode and also the show obviously by the nature of being uh buffy the vampire slayer the eponymous person um but i feel like this episode is just all about her accepting her destiny accepting her responsibilities running away from them coming back to them um and meanwhile her friends are just being really selfish and um inconsiderate of each other's feelings which i feel like is you know the whole show kind of in a pretty little package right there yeah everybody's running around i mean it, it, like the the xander and buffy like xander confessing and buffy rejecting scene is like mm-hmm. it was so perfect in that yeah. way where it's like it's this like high soapy drama while like an apocalypse looms in the background mm-hmm. um and it's just the perfect like uh i don't like pulpy not pulpy but just i don't know it's very like it's giving uh, to me, me it's 
like woman on the front cover of an old book paperback that's like yes like or like with a with a uh, candlestick like running through a hallway or something it is i mean i feel like pulp is the perfect way to put it or even i feel like uh just i had just written for comics at this point already before buffy no idea um but i feel like you can see that dna here i feel like the hellmouth sequence especially feels like it was made to be like in comic panels um and yeah i just um yeah melodrama pulp comics i feel like it's all there melodrama um, is what i was trying to think yeah. of i think just very it's i don't know it's like it's like liquid or something just the way that they're like it's just so soapy I love everyone it. is very straightforward with their feelings um they say what they're thinking um even if it's in like a quip you like pretty clearly understand where people stand with each other um and jenny i i agree jenny really captures i she has some line about the apocalypse um, that I thought like was really funny and stood out to me as like, like you said, a very succinct way of explaining like the tone of the show. Right. She says the, the apocalypse is pretty definitely nigh or something like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> like pretty seriously nigh, something yeah. like that. Like, which Jenny Callender is mother. She was mothering. I know. Mike, I mean, you would identify her as a mother, I think. Right? Yeah, she she's mother to all three of us, I would say. Um, <laughs> ready for more jenny in season two only two episodes so far and you think they're bringing her back for season two uh, they have to she was part of the crew yeah. they brought Do her you... in she's in the fold she knows their secrets <laughs> know. like there's no way i love that willow is like why is she part of the team it's <laughs> 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 <was> like hey <laughs> willow hating on girls this she episode. is especially because earlier in the episode she's like nerds are still in right and then the computer teacher wants to help you stop an apocalypse and she's like i'm the only girl other than buffy allowed to be here yeah i wonder how she feels about miss calendar and cordelia sort of stepping it up above her right like doing so much more to help in this episode than her <laughs> yeah willow's just like falling further and further down in the the team rankings if we were still doing that segment <laughs> if only <laughs> yeah it's a tough look for yeah both xander and willow i will i know that xander gets his own special segment i don't want to sort of you know prematurely give away um my what's is xander flop moment what's the official designation again xander slander uh, xander slander yes um but just you know not a good look for i was gonna say our boy but like i don't think anyone takes ownership of xander so no for that man <laughs> but we can i mean there's a lot of xander in this episode to discuss so since we're on criminal number one public enemy number one <laughs> um yeah we can go through it like the episode like opens with him like pretending to talk about like the how he's going to uh invite buffy to the spring fling and, and then we obviously cut to see he's doing it to willow even though he, we obviously as viewers are assuming it's buffy and willow's like totally lost in the fantasy of like if only he were asking me to the spring fling uh and xander i don't know like was mike what do you think do you think xander is like aware of willow's love for him i think he is i feel like there have been previous times sorry i should i should ask the question then answered it <laughs> well i, I feel do. like the question is is he ignorant or is he um so like uh an asshole basically i think yeah. a little bit of both is probably there um well okay going back to a previous episode the wolf i think it was the wolf episode where hyena. he was like the hyena episode Same where thing. he was like acting like himself, AKA a jerk, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> walked up in the library jail, which we've never seen before we or seen since. Before. We had, seen um, 
and he's like <laughs> pretending to flirt with willow to get her to let him out yeah. whatever he you could tell in that scene he recognized that willow was into him he was manipulating her and then at that end of the episode we find out he still remembers everything he did when he was a wolf hyena yeah um so i think he knows he he has the he he knows that willow is into him and he just doesn't care yeah he's just being a dick i guess yeah yeah, that's definitely, yeah, I agree with that assessment, um, which just makes all of his actions in this episode all the worse. But it's also, I don't know, you got to give a little grace, I guess, since he's a high schooler, but also not really, because I feel like this would be a male character of any age in a Joss Whedon story. Um, I also and- just feel like he is... The two times he's rejected in this episode, the women he is in the scene with act so normal and so, like, <laughs> real. They're just like, no, like, I don't want to do it. Bobby's like, I don't see you that way. Like, I'm just your friend. And then he instantly, like, starts, like, scathing her. Berating them. Yeah. yeah. And then with Willow, she, she's just like, I obviously don't want to do that right after you just told me you just got rejected. So, no. Uh, and he, at both times he, like, just like pouts and mopes, even though these are supposedly his two like best friends. Yeah, showing his ass, showing that he's not a real friend. Um, yeah. I really hope they drop him in season two. <laughs> well, can I perhaps uh, give, maybe this might be a cold take given how much writing and thought has been put into Buffy, but I feel like this scene really primed me for a very queer reading of Xander in this episode. Um, and we can get into that and when we get to the climax of this episode. But I feel like when uh, when we get to that part where it's like Xander, like you said, is sort of performing this act of like showing uh, interest in a woman. Um, he's like doing it with like a safe option, his like uh, bestie who, you know, he has no interest in. Um, it, to me, it brings to mind um, like Mulholland Drive. Uh, there are scenes in that movie where it's like, a clearly queer woman is like performing heterosexuality in order to further herself. Um, so yeah, I'm basically trying to say Joss Whedon is like David, a uh, David Lynch type, you know? He also, I mean, there's more to the queer reading of Xander, I guess uh, if I'm thinking about it through this lens, like uh, when Angel and Xander are chasing Buffy through the sewers, there's like a one second scene where they're making a joke where Xander's like, hey, stop staring at my neck. Like I saw that or I I told you you should have eaten before you left or whatever. So it's sort of like mixed between vampire hunger, but like vampire hunger is always sexuality. So it's like there's there's more to like Xander and dudes. Absolutely. That's like the other thing I was referring to was that like that line. And then also it's just like the way they both are like uh, spoiler alert for the end of the episode when Buffy is dead. Um, they're both like really close and there's this sort of like, like kiss by proxy kind of go idea going on. Angel wants to kiss her, but he can't. So Xander has to kiss her. Um, they both are sort of like looking at each other during all of this. They're very close um yeah lots of just like very homoerotic subtext with xander going on here um which would make more sense why he is so adamant that a woman must love him um or at least like be seen liking him uh that's why it's so important to xander 
There are so few likable male characters on Buffy that I definitely have read fan fiction about Xander being gay. <laughs> uh, and I think, I mean, I, I, I like where we're going with these thoughts today. Mike, did you have any queer readings of Xander in this episode? I didn't. Um, I did not really pick up on any of this. And maybe my judgment is clouded because I really, really dislike this character. And I, I kind of tune out whenever he's on screen, if we would I have hate to be to honest. Him. Like... While we were, I have to be honest, when we were watching the scene where Buffy is rejecting Xander, I was paying more attention to the background characters, like walking back and forth behind them oh, yeah. than to what was happening on the screen. Yeah. Because I, 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 I just, I tune out. I, like, I really don't like him. Yeah. And he's not improving. You just hate it when gay people don't slay. That's True. the problem. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Only Buffy is allowed to slay. And mm -hmm. canonically. <laughs> um, well, let's move on to a character we do love, Cordelia. This, yes. I love this transition so much. Um, and that's transition specifically of like Buffy's body sort of like rocketing into the frame, slow motion. Um, and we oh, get yeah. that Cordelia in a car moment, which like is again such a great parallel to the pilot. Um, of this idea of like we're taking a horror trope, you know two teens making out in a car and we're kind of flipping it on its head on its head or like taking a different direction um and yeah i just think it's it's really brilliant you know joss whedon despite being a horrible person did make uh, so far at least two episodes of good tv uh, <laughs> true uh i forgot to mention this episode was written and directed by joss whedon um and i looked up the people who because like on i on for our imdb deep dive i was looking at uh the cast of this episode and like it's all the people you would expect to be on the cast of this episode and then five or like three uncredited puppeteers who like <laughs> they themselves must have added themselves because they like are they're the people who were like in the tentacle bodies at the end of the episode they ate they did um <laughs> But back to Cordelia, I I mean, you mentioned the parallel to, like, the Darla scene at the beginning of the episode where, like, they twisted it on his head. But I was thinking a lot about, as another parallel to the um, pr premiere, where Cordelia has this line where she's, like, talking about senior boys versus younger boys, like, boys their age. And, like, she's like, senior boys just have this, like, je ne sais quoi thing. How do you, what do you, what is it? cars or something like that and now <laughs> she has a car and she uses it to save the day she is like she is she owns a car that she's making out her boyfriend in and like she is a senior boy right like she has claimed like self-love in having a license and being able to drive she like she has become that which she wanted most in the very beginning of the season and that's exactly. a full story arc it really is. Like, I mean, Cordelia is the best character in the show. I feel like that's never up for debate. Um, yeah, and like you said, she's she has access. Access. That's been, like, my favorite word of the year for some reason. I feel like I, I blame Tar for that for some reason. But, you know, she's she has access to power now. Mm. And I love that for her. Yeah. The access that that has. The yes. international <laughs> implications that that has. <laughs> um. And then we get this, uh, yeah, I just love this, that fight scene. And like the fact that there's no words spoken during that slow-mo, they had the good cameras on this shoot for sure. They had like true slow-mo going on here. We there are still waiting for them to get the good lights on this, on the shoots, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that, I think that's coming. We'll see. I don't know. They, yeah. I mean, season two has more episodes, so the budget has to be spread even thinner. 
but perhaps they got a higher budget to produce more episodes. I don't know. We'll see. Only time will tell. Um, do we? So, what network were we on at this point? Not UPN. Fox? This is the WB. WB. Yeah. So really, they could... for, for some reason, I thought this was like an ABC or or something show. No, this is the WB. And uh, actually, just earlier this week, Sarah Michelle Gellar show put an episode, put a photo on her Instagram of her with the Dawson's Creek cast, and uh, her and the, uh, Charisma Carpenter were talking about the wb logo be or like mascot being the frog in the comment section whoa oh so they're still friends i think they're connected online i don't know if they (laughs) really get to i haven't seen a photo of them together in a long time Hmm. i think both of them are fine to put the the buffy verse in their past (laughs) yeah uh very understandable will charisma show up on the wolf pack i would literally die i hope that she does as Uh, cordelia (laughs) (laughs) That would be incredible. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, somebody sent me an article earlier this week of like Sarah Michelle Gellar on a Buffy the Vampire Slayer reboot. And she was like, we've put that away. Like, we don't need any more of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she's gotten. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, everyone in the Whedon verse, as it were, I feel like his has said has said goodbye um i'm, yeah. I'm sorry to invoke that name <laughs> even the uh joss whedon fan page whedon-esque on twitter is w-h asterisk d-o-n-e-s-q-u-e <laughs> you know you fucked up for real like... which really made me laugh when i found out <laughs> you know i he deserves it that's really all we can really say about that um yeah so Cordelia seems very happy with her man. Like every time we check in with her, she seems so like peppy or just like every, like she talks about how like, okay, but this is bad where she was like, he totally blew me off and I think it's cute. It's like, that's not really the takeaway, but I guess she's happy. She, you know, she's a sophomore in high school. Uh, and like she, she I, I love when she talks to Willow and she's like, Willow, I love your outfit. <laughs> just like trying to get her to like help with the yeah. sound system. <laughs> so funny <laughs> everything cordelia says is just really perfect yeah i love that line of like actually i don't really um i just need something from you um but willow can take it at this point they they have a rapport yeah and i'm, mm-hmm. I'm yeah mike was clocking that cordelia sort of joining the group which is good like they really didn't know how to use her without like making her part of the like more ingrained in like knowing about what was going on and so i'm mm-hmm. glad that like in the end of this episode she's like actually fighting vampires like she bit one of them so that was good like in she's involved yeah and now we don't need like an intro scene of like oh cordelia learning about vampires and buffy being the slayer we kind of just jumped over that yeah yeah hopefully she- I, that is like a strength of this universe i would say they never do that where like people are just like oh okay <laughs> which is what yeah. happened in the pilot and now with like and like and they were, this, this calendar. calendar was like already knows about it like I, I feel like that happens a lot yeah it's like they're, they've already bought into it they they we don't need to go through the whole rigmarole of like oh my god i don't i can't believe it it's like i feel like um the uh, sort of I, I don't know if they've like really addressed this idea yet in season one but it's just like everyone in sunny dale is kind of we're kind of on the same page it's like it's kind of weird here so when someone says yeah vampires are around i think that's probably just a like light bulb moment for most people who live here right i mean like in the nightmares episode there were literally giant bugs flying around like over top of the city so you would have to do some pretty serious like mental loopholes to 
not have any thoughts about that. I don't know, but in the the well, I think it was the second part of the pilot. That's when they attacked the bronze. Mm -hmm. Um, and Cordelia's like getting bit on stage, and then the next day she's like, "Crazy night." (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it was like a gang war. It Buffy knew them. (laughs) Oh my god, iconic! Yeah, the bronze. We get a little. We get a little taste of the bronze. Um, you know, I what an incredible idea like an an all ages nightclub like they just don't do it like this anymore that serves food and coffee yeah (laughs) yeah and play and has like live music from uh, grunge artists like yeah genius except Um, the the bronze won't let the high school use their sound system (laughs) for some reason which is which is why willow has to help set something up and so, like, my thing, okay, but, like, when Willow and Cordelia go to the high school to meet Cordelia's boyfriend who brought the sound system to the high school, maybe? Like, confusing. I don't know. But, okay, my thing with yeah. the scene, I'm not, I'm not always just, like, when did this happen? Like, the scene with, like, the cartoons and everybody being dead in the high school, like, what day is that? What time <laughs> yeah. of day is that? Like, where, when did this occur in the chronology of the day, like, of the events? What yeah, room the... is that in the high school where they're just like hanging out watching cartoons? The A3 room. Because Willow is like later, Willow's like, I hang out with those guys all the time. Like I go to that room every day. Learning yeah. more about Willow in this episode. Yeah. They made it. The and she's got friends other than Zander, yeah, right. apparently. <laughs> made up. They made it their world. Well, they're all dead. And they now. had fun. Right. <laughs> My note for that uh, scene is Willow trauma. <laughs> yeah. And I, okay. I, I feel like I've kind of ragged on Willow a little bit in this episode, but I will say everyone in this episode, including Buffy, is very dismissive of her feelings throughout the episode. I feel like both times she's like opens up to a person like Xander or uh, Buffy, their actual literal response, I believe, is something like, it doesn't matter, or it doesn't, like, I think Xander says it doesn't matter um, when uh, he talks, he, like, relays what happened with Buffy, um, and then Buffy later is like, does it matter? Like, does it matter that all these people you liked are dead as long as you're okay, or something? I was just like, can we just pause and let Willow, like, feel her feelings without any judgment? All right, just have fun at the spring fight. Yeah. <laughs> I will say just, yeah. they probably should have found a way to have the Willow trauma monologue be before like Sarah Michelle Gellar's like knocking it out of the park, incredible, incredible, amazing monologue about read me the signs, tell me the fortune. Like it's just like one of the best acted moments of TV ever. So like to have the Willow thing be like the next scene, it's just kind of like, okay. Allison Hannigan was not really bringing it. She was like, she did a good enough job, but it was just like to compare. It's just like, I don't know. Like it's hard to stack up. Yes. Well, to me, it's more like it's like kind of like a hat on a hat. It's like we don't need two like really deep, intense monologues one after the other about mortality for these children. Like I get it. That is really traumatizing, but. Maybe there was a way to compartmentalize this or bring it together in a more cohesive way. Like you said, like the Buffy scene is just like totally incredible. And this Willow scene could have been its own episode, really. Um, So there's no need for it to for them to both be here because it's like we get it. Like death is a real thing that is on these kids minds. um, And that's scary to them. 
But yeah, so we get this scene where Buffy over, Buffy sees Angel and Giles talking, and she's like, I didn't even know they knew each other. Uh, yeah. But like, she overhears them talking about this prophecy that Giles has finally translated, and he's like, it's very clear, Buffy tomorrow will face the master and she will die. Uh, and like she like starts laughing and is just like go like I mean she goes through so many different emotions. She goes Joker one. mode. She <laughs> goblin mode. Sarah yeah. Michelle Geller. Uh, I just love that scene so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my one quibble is: Have they established do vampires have super hearing? I don't remember if this is a thing. I don't know because I I think it's a little weird that I, Angel like doesn't doesn't even sense like her presence where she's like in the doorway like staring at them while they're talking about it. Um, but whatever, that's um, yeah. I don't want to take away from like you said, SMG killing it in this um, scene. Um, Rupert, I feel like always all, is amazing too. Um, David Boreanaz is there. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, they, yeah, he he was just kind of like you think I want you to die that kind of thing. But like it was, I mean, this whole season has been about. Giles and Buffy really and this is their big moment I mean they have a couple of moments in this episode but like because we I mean I, I never really thought about it before but like I, I mean I never really think about the nightmares episode almost at all but like this episode is Giles's worst nightmare like he literally his nightmare is that Buffy is gonna die and that he will fail her and so now we're getting this episode where like he finds out that she is like prophesized to die and like he can't do anything about it and he like even tries to and she stops him true mm -hmm. he was willing to go to the master or take her place yeah which is yeah very fierce daddy giles always coming through um but i mean i you talking about that and i feel like we have to bring up the you know the tenzin cora of it all i feel yeah. like that's pretty a pretty clear d shared dna with legend of cora we got our our mentor young woman protagonist uh like good relationship that you know is a lot more compelling than the brooding man young woman dynamic i co-sign mike has never seen uh oh. <laughs> you can spoil just trust us when we say that straight romance is not good huh and i i mean i love what? the further parallel uh <laughs> that would imply buffy and cordelia are in love with one another whoa mm -hmm. see i was seeing it as Cordelia and Willow having Ooh. the the repartee this episode of like Love that. oh okay they're they're teaming up to set up the sound system they mm -hmm. trauma bonded over finding all those dead bodies Aww. I could see it Cordelia saved her with her car I mean her I was gonna say, yeah she brings about I mean we like you said we made the connection of to Cordelia romantic power comes from like have, inviting a woman into your car and she does just that with willow later on very utena <laughs> it's giving utena down <laughs> uh yes who would <laughs> think of who would pull the sword from who i guess cordelia would probably pull the sword of dios from willow yeah of these two um yeah that would be true yes you're correct <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm i'm basically a shadow play gay at this point yes. um was well, yeah um okay we need to talk about the xander rejection scene and its aftermath for sure aka i my note for xander was xander is such with like nine h's a baby 
um, when it True. comes to Buffy. <laughs> he is. We get. I mean, we get two different scenes where he's like physically moping and like react, like where he's like throwing a ball at a wall in a classroom. <laughs> okay, this is like the, another thing where like like the cartoon scene. I'm like, they definitely wanted to do this scene in a different location, but they only were had the money to do it in more scenes in the high school, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah. What like why would this scene happen in the school where he has a ball and he's throwing it at a classroom wall in like the middle of the day? You're right. Students are walking past. <laughs> it's like, There's definitely a class on the other side of the wall, like hearing. The <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, and then we see him later, like when I think maybe Willow tries to call him, and he like picks up the phone and just like hangs it up and like leaves it off the hook, and all he's doing that evening is hanging out on his bed. Yeah, listening, listening to, to country. Oh yeah, the music of pain yeah as he said yeah that was interesting for sure but it was a, a woman singing country which as we know is very queer coded i will say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow even more to read into absolutely yeah, sure um <laughs> my, okay yeah but like xander you know he has the heroic moments like i don't know i mean obviously without him the prophecy would have been tr more true. Buffy would have died. Like I, the the prophecy in this episode, I wish they would have done a little more building up to it. I know that they mentioned the anointed one prophecy in, in an earlier episode, but there's no way you would have even remembered that they discussed it before. Uh, but like <laughs> the, the prophecy that Giles translates is that Buffy will meet the anointed one and she will not know him and she will face the master and she will die. But then when she goes and meets the anointed one, she does know who he is. And so like that's her already breaking the prophecy. But even then she does go on to die until Xander brings her back to life. But yeah, I got a lot of problems. Oh, a lot of problems. Well, first of all, the anointed one seems like a waste of space and a character. Like, what did the anointed one even do this season? He guided her down into the hellmouth. We didn't need that. We didn't need that. <laughs> Buffy has been down there before. They've gone hunting vampires down in the sewers before. True, but not to their lair. But she was close. Yeah, she's been close. Secondly, I. I really dislike that Buffy rejects Xander's romantic advances so firmly at the beginning of the episode. And then he gets to be the one to save her and like, quote unquote, kiss her and bring her back to life. Like that just seemed unnecessary. It would have been much better if they had found a different way to do that. Yeah, I mean, like, I I think that because like this... he still got to kiss her. Right. Or whatever. I think while that... she's unconscious. All right, it's not good, and but like I do think for the sake of the TV high school romantic drama, it did need to be him. But like I think that it was there's definitely bad things about it to criti criticize. Could have been Willow. Could have been Cordelia. Would have loved, and but even more so about this moment, like Xander. I just like there's a there's a, there's a scene where Xander goes to Angel's apartment and like rallies the troops and gets Angel to go with him and guide him down into the Hellmouth too, but it's like Angel knew that that night Buffy was gonna die and all his plan was to was gonna be to hang out at home. <laughs> He's useless. <laughs> um, I will say my maybe the way we fix that scene, the CPR scene, is Xander breathes into Angel's mouth and Angel exhales the breath into Buffy. There Whoa. we go. I solved the problem. Could have been good. That's queer coded right there. Yes. Like I have to give you my life-saving breath, and but you have to administer it um to our mutual love. Yeah. Um, but 
but I don't know that it's any better that we have the 200-year-old vampire bringing yeah. this 16-year-old back to life. Yeah, that's a whole other bag of worms for it's real. Like maybe um, we should have just let Tom out die <laughs> rather than either of these two options. Yeah. Cordelia the Vampire Slayer, season two. Well, they did let her die, but she came back to life. Yeah. Um, which is like, yeah, like the medical science of this episode as well is a lot. Um, like Giles fully is has to be concussed. He just like slammed his head into the floor earlier when Buffy like cold clocked him. Yeah, I mean, there's um, only going to be two hits, Buffy hitting Giles and Giles hitting the floor. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, and then Buffy was definitely like like brain dead for like <laughs> quite a while. Um, so it's just like. But whatever, there are vampires, like, and this is a show, and there are actors, and there are cameras, so I can't. And like, she's a slayer, like she has slayer healing or like strength. She slays, so. so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay, what did Mike? This was the like outside of the nightmare that like did slash didn't happen. This is the first time Buffy and the Master met. Oh yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> like I would have thought that they would have like. Yeah, the Master also like very underutilized in season one especially as like the big bad that they kill at the end yeah He's just kind of there hanging out in his force field can't get out talking to the little kid anointed one mm-hmm. gets out for about two minutes and then buffy kills him yeah he was giving rita repulsa like just like <laughs> hanging out in her moon tower and like sending minions down but like you want more confrontation between the protagonist and the like actual villain yeah mm-hmm. i agree um i don't know what it kind of works for me just in the sense that i feel like this the goal of this finale is almost like um a new pilot like this is what buffy the vampire slayer is about and so to me it's like turning the master into like a like a monster of the week it kind of works for me honestly of like yes we've seen his like uh, his hands have been in the in the pie, however you want to put it. Like he he's been pulling Touching the strings. The field. Yes, <laughs> just rubbing that. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a diva! That's my big t- other big takeaway is like the master is like this old queen. Who I know. Just... <laughs> they, they have this very old man be delivering the quippy dialogue with it there. That is that is there's a gay sensibility to him being like, oh good, the feeble banter portion of the fight, that kind of thing. Like it was very gay. <laughs> well we've already established that all vampires are queer. Yes. They've all fucked each other. Yes. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, so that so their master has to be like the gayest of them all. Yeah, yeah. We have no idea how old he is, but I mean, Angel is two hundred or so, and we know that Darla turned him, and Darla looks up to the master. So it's kind of like, how old could this dude be? Um, well, I had something else to say. Is it fruit? Oh, the other. Okay, <laughs> no. Well, but that's good too. But like the other thing is that like. There's not even really that many master centric episodes of this season. There, I would, mm. I think it's more than half are unrelated to him. Like he might not even be in six of the episodes. Uh, so like it, it would have been, and he, they did have a confrontation in nightmares. So like it's not like the first time, but could have used a little more getting to know one another. Maybe a note for season two. The, yeah, like big bad needs to be established a little bit more. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows. Uh, mm, there's the no thing, way of knowing. <laughs> I I did think it was very funny in this fight scene where the master just like was had like the force kind of like, he just like stop. Yeah. It was kind of like fear compulsion kind of thing, but like it was just like we've never seen a vampire do that, and then all of a sudden he like has magic. 
Yeah, very Raylo coded for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so the he, the master like reveals the final part of the prophecy, and he's like, "What you didn't like, if you hadn't come down here, I wouldn't have been able to feed on you, and I wouldn't have had the strength to get through the like break break the shield or whatever." Uh, and so he bites her like for like one second and then leaves. Yeah, that Slayer blood is powerful. Yeah, you would think he would have wanted more. Mm, no, it slayed just enough. You don't want to. He didn't want to be overserved. Um, he just wanted to go out there, do his thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know how I feel about that portion of it, where he's like, yeah, you like fulfilled the prophecy by coming here. It feels a little, I don't know, like a little too cruel on the part of like the writing to like really hammer home that I don't because then it implies like Buffy. The right thing for Buffy to do was to like not do it, like to be inactive, which I don't really love that as like a. Un unintentional message there of like well if you just don't do anything then like it would have worked out yeah i feel like they don't have a firm decision on where they come down on the side of like fate where because like some of the parts of the prophecy did end up being true but then some of them that just like didn't happen and then like we didn't even know about this part where the master needed her to come yeah. out like i don't know there's a lot yeah it's yeah i don't know it's yeah it doesn't quite hit for me i think is what i'm really getting at it was a little weird but i did that shot of uh it's like from below of smg with like the tears coming down very very fierce i love that um she looks amazing in this episode she um, did the, the leather jacket over the white dress is just like too iconic and her just like making her with her crossbow making her way down the steps with like all the candles it's everything that's drag the silhouette is better than the sum of its parts, I would say. <laughs> yeah, her um, the dress is not cute, um, which no. is why it's good that it's covered. <laughs> <laughs> the dress, it was like, I mean, I get what they were trying to do. Uh, a virginal white wedding dress going to her death. Yeah. They could have um, at least picked a better dress, though. Yeah, it's very, um, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we're talking about like a, um, like a uh, drag race like sewing challenge we're like i get the concept i get what you're going for execution was not there the crossbow pulls it all together yeah exactly <laughs> but i mean while we're talking about the dress can we talk about the star of the episode joyce, joyce summers yeah i was gonna bring that up too what a great scene jo joyce has really come a long way too and we talk a lot about how buffy and giles are the main relationship of the show but like Joyce and her started off on a very similar foot to her and Giles, and now here at the end of the episode, there's like no no like sniping each other at all in the scene, and they're just like Buffy is like depending on her as mother. Yeah, she's the other mother of this episode. <laughs> calendar buttons on the eyes, <laughs> like uh, what's it called, Coraline? I've never seen that mm -hmm. one. Well, you said she mother. Either? Well, she's other mother. Oh, yes. got it. she is mother as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah this is a really beautiful scene and I love whenever they remind us of that relationship of the single mother and daughter and you can just like imagine like when Buffy's like let's just go away for the weekend and do like you can imagine they've done that before they've had those times where they can just be a mother and a daughter and they can go off and um, just like have fun but I think Buffy saying it here you can tell she knows that that's like not something she can do anymore yeah. just adds to the tragedy of it. It's like she's she has to slay. She's too busy slaying to do all that. And Buffy knows the gallery is open on weekends. Yeah. yeah. 
very important. Mike, do you think we'll see Joyce's gallery in season two? We better. I gotta see what this gallery is. Yeah, we've seen the things she's imported to display <laughs> on her gallery, but not the gallery yet. Um, well, just more about this scene, Derek, to connect it back to something you were talking about uh, earlier where, oh, like the better thing to do in Buffy's case would have been to do nothing. Like there's the, there's a line where like Buffy's like, I don't even remember what she says, but Joyce says like, what, is it written somewhere? Like you should do what you want, like break the, break the prophecy or whatever, even though she doesn't know about the prophecy, she's just like talking and they've done that kind of thing with Joyce before, but it, it, it was good here. But like, I mean, it's like what you were saying, like a normal girl wouldn't go and fight the vampire. And honestly, that's what she should have done. Yeah. Um, Joyce just, you know, she has such a talent in that way. Like she's talking about the issue without even knowing she's doing it. And it's, it's so, I, I did really love that line of like, what is it written somewhere? Um, okay. We see you. We see you, Whedon. Just this yeah. once. <laughs> And we got the a little bit more background of Joyce and oh, yeah. Buffy's dad learning about yeah. how they met in college. Hoping, I'm really hoping we're priming the priming the the pumps for more like Buffy home life in season two. More background of like interactions with both of her parents or like just something more there. Um, I, I think that would be great. I agree. They do a lot of like. Buffy as savior, like comparative to Buffy as like a normal high school girl. And I feel like they hit the normal high school girl part of it a lot, but they don't like, I feel like the whole home life has been rather unexplored in season one, even mm -hmm. though it's like a vital aspect of being a 16 year old, your relationship with your parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I like, like, I love that. Like you said, the backstory with Joyce and the dad, and I don't know, it's just, it just really worked for me. This was great. Um, I feel like it definitely worked more for me than all of the Xander stuff, the Willow stuff. Like I just was not hitting for me in the same way that this, I wish I could, but it's like, it's also, this is a show for teenagers. So you kind of have to really bump up the teenage drama. Unfortunately, as a child, you don't quite appreciate the, um, yeah, the scenes like that of just like a parent child connection in that way. Yeah. And I feel like, like, Comparing it to other teen soaps, I care more about these adult characters than I do on most other teenage shows <laughs> I would watch. Like the Giles and Jenny stuff, like they're flirting back and forth. I like actually like and care about, which is so mm -hmm. bizarre. And like Buffy and Joyce's relationship is good as well. I agree. Yeah, we live. Well, I'm I'm living right now. Um, and yeah, so <laughs> Joyce Joyce bought this dress that apparently Buffy had looked at uh before, and Buffy says we can't afford it, and Joyce is like, well, you barely eat anymore because she's so <laughs> nervous or whatever about having to yeah. die, and so we can't afford it. Uh, just beautiful stuff, and like that's just something Joyce would never have done at the beginning of the season, like, and now they're so much closer than they were. Yeah, it's really, really good stuff. Um. Yeah, I uh, more good stuff. Like we said, we already talked about the Cordelia rescue thing, but I, I I'm obsessed with this like straight up like anime moment of like Cordelia screaming for help, and then the like theme song literally coming in of the show and mm -hmm. Buffy like power walking, like oh look a bad guy, like so good, love it. Like this is where the show. I don't know. This is why we still talk about the show to this day. Stuff like that. I agree. They just needed to play the theme song a little bit longer. It's it's they, the way they do it is very strange, where it just like fades out after the first like 
four bars or whatever. But I, yeah, right. that's a great moment. Um, and I think that's like very, it was, it was very comic panel to me where like you, you can just see the different things where they would like have it, like the different shots and like Buffy saying, oh, look, a bad guy, that kind of thing. Um, excellent climax. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. But okay. So Buffy comes back to life and Xander and Angel are like, how are you? Like, how are you feeling? Whatever. And Buffy's like, I feel good. I feel different. I feel good. I, I feel strong. I feel different. Um, Mike, what do you think that means? She has learned some secrets of the afterlife that mm -hmm. are going to make her stronger as a slayer. Or maybe the master has imparted some of his powers onto her by drinking her blood. They do seem to have some kind of connection after she dies where like she instantly knows where he is and goes to and like knows how to find him. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe this is like something we're going to explore later, like Buffy in the afterlife. What did she see? What happened to her while she was dead? I don't know. Mm, maybe. We don't um, know. Yeah, I think I think, yeah, the master left a little backwash in her veins. And that's, that's the connection. <laughs> um, yeah, I do, I'm trying to remember what else he has. Uh, the master has some line of like, come into my world, which I hoped was a Kylie Minogue reference, because that would make him even gayer. But I'm pretty sure that song came out a few years after this. Um, but I wanted to believe, you know, he would love Kylie Minogue as as a queer elder. Maybe he's writing her songs. Wait, <gasps> oh he's got God. a lot of time just sitting yeah. in that bunker. Stuck in the Sia basement. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense in my fantasy. That's I think that's what they were going for is like, we know Kylie Minogue is going to, you know, become a gay icon. Let's explore, you know, how the master can influence that, you know, it makes it feel more real to us. Love that. Okay, so yeah, we get this final <laughs> confrontation on the roof of the school, of over the skylight in the library. <laughs> okay, Your the name. library expands every episode. <laughs> I do think that the skylight has not been there before, but the cage has been there since no, the pilot, I promise. Not. We've you. literally never seen that cage before or since. It's been in every single episode, you're just not looking for it. Um, if it was there, they would use it better. And we'd remember it. Alert. We we collectively do remember it uh, <laughs> individually. Who knows? I don't know. Um, Buffy and the master quit back and forth. There's a, another parallel to the pilot where, in like, it's kind of like it was, it's it's. There's a scene in the pilot where Buffy and Cordelia are walking through the hallway, and Cordelia is giving her like a coolness test, and Cordelia is like, uh, "You're from LA, so you can skip the written." And then here in the in the final episode of the season, the master is like, but you were supposed to die. It was written. And Buffy says, I flunked the written. Uh, and it's I just like it as a parallel. And it's kind of like, I don't know, Cordelia was this antagonist throughout the season. And like she made the written joke. And now Buffy's doing the written joke back at the actual antagonist of the season. I don't know how to if there's a deeper reading to that where like sort of like Buffy has graduated past Cordelia as an antagonist and is like actually facing the the real issues. Well, they're both kind of in each other's worlds now. We have Cordelia, like we said, biting back at the vampires, and Buffy is to like you know making these sort of Cordelia like the I may be dead, but I'm still pretty is like that's a very Cordelia thing to say. Um, and I yeah, everything Buffy was saying in this, I was I was living. She <laughs> she knew what she was doing. Yeah. Does anyone have any more thoughts before we move into segments? Like, I feel, I just feel like this, there's, there's no wasted moment in this episode. I feel like it's just like, mm -hmm. it's from, it's high octane start to finish. Yeah. The Hellmouth tentacles are, <laughs> they're well puppeteered. 
Um, <laughs> I think I think it's again uh, to use the phrase again. It's like a hat on a hat. We don't need the vampire horde, and we're monsters. But you know, it is what it is. Ratcheting up the stakes. Um, and I did love the master turning into a cartoon skeleton. That's funny. Yeah, very different from every other vampire we've ever seen dusted. Maybe he yeah. comes back. Like, there's no dust. There's there's a skeleton there. <gasps> what if there's just a skeleton walking around next season? <laughs> that could be fun. That could require a puppeteer yeah. and a cage. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe he's a he's just this like fruity swishing skeleton. His fruity little clap. Uh, yes, oh, like, oh, the Nicole Kidman clap. <laughs> yeah, big ass Grinch hands. The yeah. clap was he just like, sees the worm things come out of the hole and he's like, yay! <laughs> he's like. Come through, divas. Yeah. Like, yeah. But do you think That's he's planning master. to like jump through the window at any point, or is he just like watching them die? I don't know. No, he's, he's a queen. He has a lot of minions. He doesn't need to jump in right away. So many minions who all instantly run. That was, I guess, this is my one complaint of the episode, where it's like all of the demons sucked back into the hole and like all of the vampire thralls like instantly ran away as soon as the master died. Like. They skedaddled. Yeah, yeah like what? <laughs> there must be some TV tropes term for that, but it's just kind of like that was convenient. Yeah, I feel like the idea should have been like, oh, it's almost like sunrise, and the master's powers let them walk around in the sunlight. And now that the master's dead, now they will mm -hmm. be burned by the sun, so they have to go away. Um, but you know, it's a little late to give them notes on this. So they really you know, needed to do a lot more with the prophecy in the episodes prior to this, and they could—they really mm -hmm. could have set it up and like they—they they just needed to build more up to this finale. But I—but like Derek's saying, like if they had done that, it would work probably worse as like a reintroduction to what the show could be or like the peak of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Plus, that feels that to me. What the charm of Buffy is that it was clearly of an era of serialized television where it wasn't a thirteen-hour film. It was, you know, thirteen individual episodes. You gotta assume someone is, this is their first episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, and so you have to write it that way. Um, and it, as as that, it works absolutely. I will say another note I have for future seasons. Uh, I think they still need to work on their fight choreography. It is it is still really mm. not there for me. Mm. And maybe this is a a TV in the '90s budget sort of thing, but I don't know. In the in the pilot, they hired that gymnast as a body double for Sarah Michelle Gellar, and I thought things looked good there. There's that fight earlier in the season. Maybe it was in the pilot in the bronze where she's like backflipping onto the stage. Yeah, that was in the bronze. I, I mean, in the pilot. Yeah, I, I feel like they they just haven't figured out how to do, like, a vampire fight scene yet. That's interesting to me. I liked this episode's fight choreography because, like, I, I feel like a big thing for me throughout season one has been that they haven't done a very good job, like, intersplicing the action sequence with, like, character slash plot development or, like, character interaction. And I felt like in this, the fights were pretty quick, where, like, and it was all about the dialogue and just, like, every once in a while they would, like, actually finally, like, see each other and, like, attack. I think they should watch Avatar The Way of Water the last hour, hour to get some fight inspiration. <laughs> I don't know if I could recommend that, but um, I love that for you. Um, Yikes. Not 
a Navi head. <laughs> no, sorry, I've I'm not. Um, what the fuck? What, what the, You're the, not the following the whales? <laughs> I was. I'm not connected. I'm not connected to Awa. I'm not connected to the Great Mother. I thought they burned Awa in the first one. What? I don't understand. Don't spoil, Jarek. This isn't an Avatar pod. I'm sorry. Yes. Um. I will. <laughs> yeah. It was fun with that guy's arm flew off. I will say that. <laughs> In three um, days. Watch out for when Xander gets white dreads in season two. Oh <laughs> god, I still am. He uh, would do that. I mean, it's the nineties. Yeah, they didn't know better. Unlike we know better in twenty twenty two, James Cameron. We don't. We know better. I feel um, like they probably knew better in the nineties too. And someone they, knew better. Someone knew better. I mean, corn was around for quite a while past the nineties, so I don't think they do better. Unfortunately. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, <laughs> if yeah, we'll be clocking any white dreads that come up on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, so yeah, let's move into segments. First up, biggest slay, Derek. What was the moment that made you say slay? Um, well, I feel like, like I said, there were lots of great shots of Buffy that were very like made me say slay. But specifically, the descent into hell. Um, and there's a line Buffy has of like, is it? It's like if I'm gonna ha- go to hell or if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna take him with me. That to me was like that's a slay moment, like so good. And also her line when she kills the master is very slay of, um, if you love hell so much, why don't you go there or something like that? So yeah. good, iconic. And I, like I feel like the uh, cinematography of the scene where Buffy's like finally down in the lair with all the candles and the darkness. It's it it is everything everything down there just like looks amazing. Yeah, queer sensibilities. You you know he was bored as hell, and so he had them, you know, to decorate the walls. Candles over here, candelabra over here. You know, love that for him. <laughs> His sole uh, <laughs> decorating idea, candle. <laughs> uh, Mike, what was the moment of the episode that made you say slay? Um, what was it? They were I, Buffy had just learned about the prophecy. She learned she was going to die, and she was about to reject her fate. She took that cross around her neck and tossed it on the ground, and we get the the shot of the cross on the ground. That made me say slay. Mm-hmm. I I recognize that the the Christian iconography is important for vampire mythology, but that was great. She's yeah. rejecting religion, and you know, Period. rejecting it, it is symbolic of angel too, where she's like like that's the cross he gave her in the pilot, and so she's done with him also. Well, she kept the jacket true because it looks good yeah (laughs) she kept the things he gave her that look good and rejected the shitty gifts (laughs) yeah yeah this big clunky ass fucking cross (laughs) um that didn't even help and when she she because she wore it back down to fight the master and the master still got her yeah yeah it did not do shit (laughs) yeah it seems like the crosses sometimes work when it serves the plot and otherwise it's just a weird fashion choice (laughs) yeah interesting interesting bold choices all around extremely bold my slay moment is has to be sarah michelle geller acting down in that very same (laughs) scene she delivers a monologue perfectly like every single line is so good read me the sign tell me my fortune when and then she realized she's gonna die and so she remembers that means that another slayer will be called and she's like will you train her to giles uh does everything about that scene is so incredible i like Mm -hmm. i didn't cry while we were watching it together but like felt like i easily could have uh and just just love it especially as the capstone of the relationship with her and giles 
um like also like they finish it later where we talked about giles is like gonna go fight for her but like everything about it is so perfect and she just like is 16 in that moment she's just so good yeah it's genius genius stuff and it's like the distillation of that sort of mentor or parent versus child where it's like the child has to go and do their own thing and be independent but the parent the like tension for the parent is like they know better but they can't do it for them but then giles is like no i'm gonna do it for you um but buffy realizes no i have to do it very 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 good love it excellent uh moving on fashion moment derek what was your fashion moment of the episode I was so sad that I was uh, watching on Hulu because they don't let you screen cap. And there's, um, I believe it's, it's like when they go to biology class or something, um, uh, SMG has on this teal snakeskin skirt. So beautiful. This like gray top. And then these glasses, these like sunglasses, I think they were like sort of translucent, um, maybe yellow. They were like some kind of, they weren't like, there's like a tinted color maybe yellow but it was so good i love a sunglass sarah michelle geller has rocked so many sunglasses throughout season one um even more than lollipop she has licked in uh individual scenes uh which i'm happy about yeah hopefully we're leaving lollipops in season one <laughs> so too. yeah infantilizing our lead character a little yeah, odd and just like they must have directed her to just like have it in her mouth whenever she wasn't speaking it was a lot. But yeah, the sunglasses looked good. Uh, Mike, what was your fashion moment of the episode? Well, I alluded to it earlier in the recording, but during the scene where Buffy is rejecting Xander's advances, they they must have filmed this scene like five or six times because yeah. the same background actors like walk back and forth behind them out of focus. And one of them is wearing this just like very bright green dress with some sort of like polka dot print on it. And she's just like, it's very distinctive and it like took me out of the scene because they're like because i'm like oh she just walked that way oh and now she's walking back the other way and now she's background shot again yeah and even after you because you had noticed it a couple times and then pointed it out to me and then we saw it together like at least two more times like (laughs) she's in like every shot it was a great dress um that's a great it was great yeah yeah i love that shot a lot it's very to go back to Revolutionary Girl Uta, very, you know, we have an audience here. We are in a very public space while we're doing this, while we're having this conversation where Xander has to make it very clear. I have feelings for a woman, everyone. Hello. Um, yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant stuff. She wanted to hear the conversation. She was just like circling around being like, oh, nosy ah, queen. Lays him. <laughs> <laughs> she, she needed to get the tea. She's like, something's going on here. <laughs> Buffy ended men back and forth uh, all episode. Um, my fashion moment was Buffy's hair in this episode, specifically when she yeah. has in the in the monologue scene, like just something. To, I don't know. Buffy Sarah Michelle Gellar has incredible hair throughout most of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and this episode was no different. But I, that was just like the number one thing on my mind, uh, fashion wise. This episode, she looks so good, beautiful. Um, moving on to Xander Slander. Derek, what was the worst Xander moment of the episode? It's so hard to pick just one. I was, <laughs> I, I, so I have two actually that I wrote down. Um, so I think something that really stuck out to me is like, just like a shitty friend moment is when, um, Willow and like all three of them are walking and Xander's like, Willow, did you have a thing to do? And Willow's like, oh yeah, the thing. And then she walks off and Buffy's like, 
is Willow's acting weird. What's going on there? And Xander just dismissively is like, oh, she's just Willow. Like being Willow is a bad thing. And like, she's just being a fucking weirdo loser and she's gone now. Hooray. Like just, why are you friends with this person? If you are just going to act that way and talk about like them in that way to another person, horrible, horrible, horrible behavior. Um, and then just Xander's reaction to the re rejection is just, not okay and that line where he says something along the lines of like oh a guy's got to be undead to get attention yeah. from you is like so bizarre and it feels like they're trying to like like they being like the writers are trying to get one over on buffy like yeah this is a fact about her she's there's like something freudian going on here where she only is attracted to dead things and it's like he is not smart enough to come up with that on his own and also is just coming from a place of rejection and hurt and being a fucking loser yeah, he sucks. I, I thought we had moved past the Xander hates Angel because he's undead and his like romantic rival, but we're back. We have not moved past in this. He was like, at the end of the day, I pretty much think you're a vampire. <laughs> like he doesn't. He hates Angel a lot. You know, I kind of do too, but hate Xander even more. I yeah. Like, well, I don't know. They're both bad. But... They're having a mid off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to put it. Uh, Michael was the worst Xander moment of the episode for you. Uh you know piling on to the the rejection conversations mm -hmm. immediately after buffy rejects him he, then he decides he's gonna go ask willow to the dance and is it, it was just that and i willow has not been my favorite character this season she's kind of just been wallpaper to me but i'm waking up her just like ending him being like no i'm not gonna go to you after you just got rejected from buffy and i know you don't actually yeah. like me or she, she's like you you think i want to go to the dance and watch you wish you were with buffy like fuck yeah you. that was a slate honestly that was another contender for slay moment of willow standing up for herself to this man who i don't know she just needs to stop being friends with him because he clearly is not interested in even being a good friend to her like she's just there and that's it um yeah he's just a selfish repressed man and comparatively like the the one invitation at to spring fling that she seemed to appreciate was cordelia saying that she'd even talk to willow at spring fling if she helped her out so gay. a little more for your uh willow cordelia thing gay <laughs> we're putting a pin in that yes yeah uh. <laughs> more to, ho hopefully more to discuss upcoming um my words in her moment of the episode definitely the rejection scene derek i was gonna bring up the same line where it like i i'm very happy that like I said earlier, Buffy is acting like a completely normal person in the scene. And like every, like she's just so sympathetic to me in the scene, but she's just like, Hey, that was really harsh. Like you're my, I thought we were friends and I, I don't want to like, I'm not romantically interested in you. And now you're like yelling at me. Like what is wrong with you? Uh, Xander sucks. He sucks. Yeah. There was something else in that scene that she said. And now I've, I've lost the thread. Mm -hmm. it, might, it might come back to me. Well, if you think of it, let us know. We're always down to talk about how much Xander sucks. True. Yeah, always. <laughs> and just like the girl in the polka dot dress, she just wants to be able to talk shit about Xander. She's got to get the tea so she can let everyone know. <laughs> Final segment, Derek, who is your favorite character of the episode? Royce. Joyce is the winner. MVP. Ooh. Like To me, I, I mean, obviously Buffy is like the star um and i she's a very clear number two but to me joyce is just like the crux and she like is there for buffy in her lowest moment and just brings her back up and does so without even knowing it that's the power of joyce she doesn't even have to know all the details she just knows what to say to make buffy feel better um 
and I the gesture of getting the dress is just like mwah, beautiful, beautiful. Love that. Um, I love Joyce. Yeah, like Joyce, the Joyce scene is so important. Be and I mean, it's the Joyce and the Willow scene, but like, but before that, Buffy had just rejected her job. Like, she's not going to be the Slayer anymore. But then through her conversations with Joyce and Willow, I feel like she, um recognizes that she's the one who has to defend these people that she loves and like wants to save them and so like she goes to Joyce wanting to be saved from her fate but comes away from the conversation recognizing that she has to face her fate to save Joyce yeah it's almost like the exact opposite of her conversations with anyone else especially the men where they're like you have to do this or I won't let you do this or I'm going to do this so you don't have to do this Joyce is there to listen and give advice, and that's that's all she can do. And she recognizes Buffy as a human being with her own brain and her own decision-making abilities, um, unlike all these crusty men. Yeah, their relationship isn't weighed down from Joyce's perspective by Buffy's, like, status in the spiritual world. Like, she, they, they just have this normal human relationship where Buffy's relationship with every other character is through the lens of Buffy being the Slayer. Absolutely. And it's, but it's like, I don't know. But like Joyce, I feel like even if their relationship was more loaded in that sense, I feel like Joyce would still ideally have that same sort of response of, I'm not going to try to take any glory from you or I'm not going to try to force you to do something you're not comfortable with. I'm going to just give you my thoughts on the situation and do with it what you will because you're your own person. Right. Every other character. and Well, okay. Joyce and Cordelia. Like Joyce and yeah. Cordelia have known each other, have known Buffy as just Buffy for not just 24 hours before learning that she's a Slayer. Whereas Xander and Willow like met her as a real person, but like within the first day found out that she was this vampire Slayer. Giles knew she was a Slayer. Angel knows knew she was a Slayer, like everybody else. But Joyce and Cordelia are the people who treat her like a normal person. Mm -hmm. And I love that for them. That's why they're the I mean, best. From two very different perspectives, like <laughs> Cordelia bullies her and Joyce like mothers her, but it's, it's yeah. good. But they're both mother. Yeah, Cordelia bullies in like a mothering way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I just want her to be better. She could be more yeah. popular if she tried. Yeah, she was. I mean, that's what, all she wanted from moment one. She wanted Buffy to be her best friend, basically. Yeah, good, yeah. good idea. Um, Mike, who was your favorite character of the episode? She didn't have as much to do as I would really hope, <laughs> but Miss Calendar back, back yes. on screen. We're filling out the background roster. Um. Another thing that season one has sort of struggled with is like introducing compelling recurring characters or like mm -hmm. they'll introduce them and then never bring them back. Mm -hmm. So love to see her back again. Like her and Giles had great repartee. They're flirting. Hope we see more in the future. Completely agreed. And I was I was just thinking about this earlier this week. Like I hate when I go to an IMDb of a TV show and the first like seven actors listed are like, 200 episodes and then the next actor like the eighth person who's been in the most episodes is like 13 and it's like why is there no <laughs> rotating secondary cast that like comes like i don't know like I, that's just that yeah. that is worse that's a worse tv show in my mind um and yeah so like i'm glad that they are bringing back this secondary character and sec like i was also thinking about miss calendar and giles through the lens of like future xander and willow because they hit on like Miss Calendar as like this computer person. Willow obviously talking about computer stuff. And earlier in the season, it wasn't so much in this episode, but like we got like hints of Xander like doing research with Giles. Like it felt like they were like like, and he doesn't have magic powers, and neither does Giles. 
Miss Calendar has the computer stuff magically associated, and Willow does the same thing. Uh, and so sort of like looking at them as two different points on the timeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hope we get more, uh, like, we, uh, as someone who has sort of like been up and down on the Monster of the Week, non-vampire episodes of season one, I would be very supportive of some sort of like demon in the internet plot again mm. in season two, just to get Miss Calendar back in the group. Absolutely. We, t- we talked earlier this week about werewolves, just generally in supernatural stuff. Do you think when do you think werewolves will be in season two of Buffy? No. Okay. I don't see it. Wow. All right. Werewolves on the internet. I don't know. I feel like we would have heard about them in season one. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, my favorite character, Buffy. Like the monologue alone. Like no one could ever, no one could ever be above her in this episode. Even my beloved Cordelia. Like she did so much good stuff in this episode. But like, ah, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy is just one of the best acting performances that's ever been captured on film. Um, period. Period. Ended them. <laughs> ended, ended them. them. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, next episode called When She Was Bad. Ooh. Mike, do you have any predictions for what could happen in that episode? Okay, When She Was Bad. It's going to be a Joyce flashback origin <gasps> story of her college mm. years when she was bad. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> and also, <laughs> what an amazing episode title, by the way. Yeah. The art of the episode title is so lost in the age of streaming. It is, and like every single Buffy episode title is incredible. <laughs> a banger. Like Prophecy it's Girl. Just, yeah, it's like okay. you're lucky to maybe catch the episode title when you're like pausing to like go to the bathroom during a binge session. They just, it's a mean, in the back in the day, you like lo- were looking at TV Guide and you had this episode title with you for a week that you got to think about what's going to happen. Um, or DVD specifically, every time you want to watch an episode, you have to click on the episode title and like you, you got to think about what that means, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, I will, well, Stranger Things puts the episode title up, but it's just like, I don't know, meaningless. Oh, yeah. They like <laughs> release them like three years in advance. Yeah. Like it's, it's, an, like it's an album. Yeah. Like, are they supposed yeah, to be I feel like albums? Every time, I feel like album, when albums release, they always release the track list like oh, a week early, ahead. Yeah. Yeah, um, which one are you claiming? <laughs> <laughs> None of them. Alien Superstar. <laughs> I'm claiming Alien Superstar Papa. would be a good Buffy oh. episode title. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I know SMG rejected the Buffy reboot, but that, that maybe they need to come back just for like one pretend like pretend like this episode happened in like season three or something. Alien Superstar. And that's all we need. Like a 45 minute little Chloe and Hallie as players. Uh, (laughs) Derek, thank you so much for being here. Um, Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, I mean, just, you know, follow me on Twitter at Rain Derex. Make sure sure to follow us at Bitter Jurors Pod. Um, I'm excited for us to get into season 44 of Survivor. Hopefully a good one. I'm sad that we are, you know, 43 has made us gun shy once more. After 41 (laughs) and 42, we're so good. But you know, um, I'm I'm hopeful as always, cautiously optimistic. Um, so yeah, follow us at Bitterjurors Pod as well. That's the only way to go into a season of Survivor. It's like you yeah. you want you hopes you can only hope so high, but you do want to hope high. Yes, you do. Mike, what would you like to plug? It, same thing every week. We are at Buffy Boyfriends on Twitter. I am at Flawless Lawless on Instagram. Still private, um, <laughs> but you never know. 
you, you, you send me a, a friend request and I might accept. You send Mike a friend request and you and Mike asks me, do you know this person? And I either say yes or no. <laughs> and either way, I usually say no. <laughs> okay. Damn. Oh, um, that's not true. That's not true. It's an intense vetting process, but you know, I, you need to know it's quality control. Yeah, I mean, once this podcast really explodes, yeah. um, I'm going to be happy that I cultivated my friend list. Definitely. Exactly. And, you know, even in the pre-explosion, we are so thankful for our listeners. We love you all. Thank you for being here through season one. It's been so beautiful. Uh, can't wait to start season two. Um, both of my podcasts have already been plugged in this plug segment. Sorry. Uh, so you can just follow me at Sam Stanish everywhere on the internet. Um, and leave us a five-star review. Sad to say, we do not have one this week. Um, yeah, Derek, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Derek. Thank, thank you so much for inviting me. This is so fun. And yes, please, I'm happy to come in anytime you want. Any? Well, I have a character that has not been introduced yet. Yeah, that I have much claimed. like Christine. Yes. So, who are you claiming? Do I do I get to name them? No, I said I like oh. like with the album oh track, the like, title track. Who are you yes, claiming? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there, yeah, but I do have an episode written down for season two that you said you wanted, and I can oh. confirm with you later. Yes. Uh, Probably, when I yes. looked up which one it is, I was like, that one? Uh, but, you know, let's we'll... find out. <laughs> <laughs> let's find out. Okay, slay. Slay. Bye. Slay. <laughs>